What's up, hybrids? Welcome back to another episode of the Phantom Hybrid Podcast. This is Hanako, and I am here with Casey, and we are discussing the second episode for the 11th season of The Walking Dead. This episode is titled Asheron Part 2. So I think we failed to mention in the last episode that the season premiere is technically a two-part episode, but they didn't show it back-to-back like most shows would, which was a little disappointing. I wouldn't have minded an extra hour of The Walking Dead. (laughs) Right. But, you know, they had to leave us hanging because of what happened at the end of the episode with Maggie and Negan. They had to let us stew on it for a week. So I understand. I understand. And coming into the episode, that's immediately what we deal with. And it's so funny because I saw so many, and I think you and I even joked too. I saw so many jokes about, oh, Maggie's about to pull a Glenn, like when he went up under the dumpster when we thought he was dead. (laughs) Everybody's like, she's going to go up under that train car, which we knew. I knew she wasn't going to die. I was just interested in how they were going to save her and then what was going to happen afterwards. But they couldn't have let her die off right there anyway. It's too much tension right there. That would have been dumb to kill her off right there. Because then everybody else would have killed her. Maggie uh, ain't dying, period. Okay, she's going to make it to the end. She has to. She absolutely has to. They cannot kill Maggie off in the show. (laughs) But, I mean, we knew Maggie was tough. We know she got only tougher in her years away from the group. And we see proof of that because she actually does get away from the walkers. You know, she fights, she stabs, she shoots. So, you know, we know that she's tough and that she's going to get away. Now, on the inside of the car, which is where everyone else is congregated, there's only a few walkers in the train car. So they clear those really quickly. And then everyone's looking around and they're like, where's Maggie? And Negan has to pull that she was right behind me. But did you notice his <laughs> face? Like, he looked really bothered about what he did. Like, again, we talked about this last week. It was one of those killer be killed moments. Like, you just threatened me in front of everyone, threatened to kill me. And now I'm supposed to help you. Like we said, mm-hmm. we don't blame him for what he did. But still, it was like, yo, Negan, that was a shitty move. Right. But you do see, it looks like he has a little regret about it. After the fact, he's like, "Mm, maybe that wasn't the best way for me to handle this situation. You think? (laughs) You think? (laughs) But the interesting thing is that they're surrounded by walkers on all sides of the train car, which is weird because wasn't the train car like locked That's what I thought. Like with rocks and everything. So how is it that they're on the side clawing at the windows? I'm confused. That's what I thought because we couldn't get past there. Right. That was the whole reason why we went up on top of the car. And there wasn't really that much space for them to even try to get through, which is one of the reasons why Daryl had to go up under the train car to try to get the dog. Well, unless, no, well, or, or what could have happened, they only that piece right there was, you know, blocked off on the other side could have been one. You know what I mean? I don't know. It still looks weird to me because they're kind of illuminated. Like there's some light. It's, it's very they messed up on it. Yeah. I, yeah, they messed up I, on I think they kind of 
missed the ball with that one. I saw that too, and I was like, they missed the ball with that one. But um, coming from right, and I mean, they're just sitting there like banging or you know grabbing at the windows, and it's like um. You know, the the living people couldn't even get through there enough to try to figure out what was going on. So super walkers. Right. <laughs> but, you know, they don't really make mistakes like that a lot. We'll let it go this time. Right. So we'll come back to that group because I need to go to Darren Dog. Dog, Dog damn it. A whooping. Dog is like Carl in the second season. Like, he'll sit your ass down somewhere. Get in the house, dog. (laughs) He kept running off, kept running off. Right. And my thought would be that dog would attract more people. You know what I mean? Because he constantly barking. So dog going in by way of Shiva, they going to get his ass. Oh, don't say that. Please don't say that. I don't mm-mm. I don't want that to happen. Hell, I thought it was going to happen, happen when he ran and attacked that walker and he was like grabbing them right before Daryl shot him. I was like, okay, this is how they going to... You know, I mean, we don't want to hear it, but we know at some point, dog is going to have to die. Because... No. Because I, nope, I refuse. He ain't going to be on the motorcycle with nope. Daryl and, and Daryl. He going to be running, past, running behind mm-mm. for 500 miles as they go from city to city. We're going to lose dog at some point. I don't know what that See, point You're about to make me cry now because I just thought about what you just said. That makes so much sense. But it's like, no, we can't lose, lose dog. dog. Mark my words. We're going to lose dog at some point. I don't think dog is good. Well, hmm. I was going to say, I don't think dog is going to die. But I don't know because we know that in the promos for season 11, there is a scene where Dog is standing with one of the Ravagers and Daryl is off to the side. Now, there's wild speculation that that Ravager is Leah, that that's where she went after she left Daryl out to dry or whatever you want to call it. You know, she left in her temper tantrum because he didn't choose her immediately, whatever the case may be. But a lot of people are thinking that that's Leah because why else would Dog just be sitting there like calmly? Has to be her. She's one of the rabbits. That'd be dope. <laughs> you know she ain't about to That's going to cause a whole yeah, bunch of problems. She ain't her, her dog, baby daddy. <laughs> so I don't know. We'll see. But dog, dog, dog. Let me tell I you. Didn't even think of that. Yeah. That's what a lot of people like. As soon as we, as soon as people saw it, like I said, I interact with a lot of the Walking Dead fans on Twitter. Yeah. So as soon as as soon as that trailer came out, everybody just started talking about it. I didn't even bother posting my thoughts because I was like, everybody's already saying it. I didn't even <laughs> like that's gotta Leah. be Leah. I, I, mm-hmm. Leah never crossed my mind. Oh yeah, because here's the thing. So Daryl is in this place where they're trying to rebuild. We know Connie is alive mm-hmm. and she's trying to get back to the group. Mm-hmm. How what better than to have a Daryl triangle in the last season? Like, we don't necessarily need it because I know a lot of people didn't like Leah. I actually liked Leah. I thought it was just kind of, I guess, weird the way her story unfolded because it was just so sudden. But I didn't have any qualms with her. Like, I know there are some people who, of course, love Daryl with Carol. They want him to be with her. There are a lot of people who think Daryl might be gay or bisexual and they want a story that way. So I can kind of understand people are like, okay, so who is this bitch coming in in the 10th season? And all of a sudden, like Daryl is living with her and what? 
Because we've never seen Daryl domesticated in all 10 seasons. Think about it. Even when they were in Alexandria and they were semi-safe, you know, they had a place to sleep. They had hot water. They had actual food. Daryl never fell into that. Yeah, remember Carol kept trying to get him to take a bath. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. So... So her her timing coming in, it was just weird because we've never seen Daryl like that before. But I mean, think about it. Daryl's been with the group for 10 years. Yeah. He's not going to be the same person he was 10 years ago. He's matured. Yeah. He may not act like it sometimes, but he has. And maybe at that point, that was what he wanted. You know, he spent all that time out there looking for Rick and nothing was happening he couldn't find rick there were no signs whatsoever about him so i think at that point maybe he was just tired he was tired of fighting tired of just a lot of things so i don't know but yeah so we got a little bit off track but yeah so people think that that's her so i don't know i don't think dog is gonna die you think he's just gonna go back with his mom he may go with Leah, but again, if that is her and she is part of the Ravagers, that's going to be a problem. Not only for Daryl, that is going to be a huge problem for Maggie. Oh, yeah. So at that point, I think, I mean, if it comes down to that, Daryl's going to have to make a choice. And we already know he's going with Maggie. You think? No. So, no, he's not. I do. I mean, think about it. He was ready to betray Rick to stand behind Maggie when all the Negan stuff went down. And when it comes down to it, Maggie is family. Like Leah is the person who gave him an ultimatum. Choose your family or choose me. Daryl doesn't like ultimatums. Nobody does. But you know, you saw what he did. He was like, look, I'm just going to look. I'll be back. And then he decided to change his mind and go back. But still, you know, regardless of what pull Leah may have had for Daryl, Maggie is still family. They have gone through too much together. They have had each other's backs for 10 years now, even though Maggie was gone. Yes, still, she came when she was needed. She came and helped them out with the whisperers. And I mean, she's got Glenn's child. There is no way Daryl is turning his back on that. He's just not. So, yeah, Leah, nice to meet you. Farewell. (laughs) But anyway, going back to the story. So Dog and Daryl have reunited and they're in this part of the subway where it looks like people took shelter after the fall or after everything went to shit. And it's interesting to see what we see in this tunnel because of course it looks just like like a tent city kind of you see Mm -hmm. people's belongings in a place and you see all this other stuff and there's this graffiti and these drawings on the walls and it's really interesting because you see the capital and then you see a family with crowns on their heads and they're supposed to I guess either represent royalty or represent the first class and as Daryl is kind of reading the story that these pictures are telling it looks like the upper class kind of fell down to the you know middle class and then it was to the point where they were begging on the streets for food and then eventually one of them were, was being torn apart by people. And it just kind of shows you the downfall of a society after all of this stuff happened. 
So you've got all of these artifacts, all of these belongings that belong to people who are no longer there. I'm going to assume that they are probably the ones that are in the bags in the subway that we first encountered. Again, it's a matter of who put them there because they probably got overrun by other people who were fleeing, trying to just survive with all of that. And unfortunately, this shows us the ugly side of humanity. And it's not anything that we don't know. I mean, we see it every day in real life, how people can turn on each other, how greed, how selfishness, how, how the instinct to survive makes people behave. We see it all the time, but it was kind of sad seeing it that way because you see the guy on the ground who's got the suit. He had his arm handcuffed to a suitcase full of money and then the arm was ripped off, but the money is still there. It's kind of like, you died for what? Because that money in a zombie apocalypse means nothing. has no weight. Or at least we think it doesn't until we get to the whole Commonwealth thing. But for right now, for what we're seeing, that money had no value. And I don't know if his arm was ripped off before or after he died, but it was just kind of like a very sad commentary. Right. Like, this is what we turn into when the walls start closing in. Daryl finding that bag that belonged to the two kids, that was sad because I thought it was an adult who was writing the note on the $100 bill. And then when he takes the picture, the picture actually reminded me of Noah's brothers. Yes. And I was just like, oh, so they probably didn't have a good ending either, you know? And then if you look at the picture, the little girl is holding the bunny that Maggie found in the subway. So I'm just like, oh, that just, (sighs) it's just so sad because the father was gone. The mother went to go look for him and left her kids there. And then she never came back. So they had to move on without her. And you know, that probably didn't turn out well, especially if you're around grownups. And unfortunately, when it comes to things like that, I mean, we saw it with Alpha. When it comes down to it, you will do whatever you need to do to protect yourself. And for a group of adults with two younger kids that they all of a sudden are maybe not necessarily taken care of, but, you know, they're there, they have no supervision, and these people are trying to survive, there's no telling what they, what happened to those kids. Right. But you can kind of guess what might have happened. You yeah, know, if those people were trying to get out. They probably use those kids as bait, you know? Yep. Ain't no telling. But I don't know. Daryl keeps the bag, which is kind of, you know, I was going to say it was kind of weird, but it's not because Daryl is, if you think about it, Daryl is very sentimental about things. So I don't know if maybe that was just something for him to just kind of keep to remind him, okay, this is what we're doing this is what we're fighting for. Like they're doing all of this stuff to make sure that Alexandria survives after everything that the whispers did. And it can get, you know, when you're in a tunnel and you've got people fighting and plots of murder, and you've got two people who have just kind of gone and left y'all there with no rations, no ammo. It's one of those things where you're like, okay, you know what, why are we even doing this? Let's just turn around and go back home. But I think those kids were kind of a reminder for Daryl, like he has Judith back home. He has RJ back home. Maggie has Herschel. You know, there are other kids there, Gracie. And we know there's probably other kids that we don't really know by name like that. But 
you know, something that they have to do, no matter how ugly it gets. So, and then that takes you back to the story that Maggie was telling about the guy who, right, you know, she was trying to help, and but she wouldn't go with him, and yeah. So yeah. Okay, so since you brought that up, let's talk about that fucking story. So, <laughs> so this happens after Maggie has made her way back into the train car. She has pretty much let everybody know that Negan left her there to die. And there's another confrontation there because she was like, I slipped. He saw and he didn't help me. And Negan is like, yeah. And he was like, you literally just talked about killing me. What am I supposed to do? And again, he makes sense. Because if it were me and she had threatened me, (laughs) I wouldn't have helped her either. So I understand where he's coming from. He's still a dick, but I mean, he's a reasonable dick. He's an honest dick. (laughs) Right. And that's the other thing. I said this in the last episode. Negan is a straight shooter. He's going to tell you exactly what he feels. He's going to tell you what he thinks. And you may not like it, but a lot of what he says makes sense. So it's there. But while they're trying to get off of this train, they start going through the train cars. They're able to get the car doors unstuck and they make their way through the train. However, coming behind them are more walkers. And Gage, the older kid who ran off, he's on the train. He's like, hey, help me, help me. Y'all can get me through. Now, of course, at this point, they haven't gotten that car door unstuck yet. And he's begging them to help him to get him out. And Maggie has to make a tough decision at this point. Okay, do we open the doors and help him and possibly let the walkers get through? Or do we just leave them? And I will tell you, I had a hard time watching this scene because on the one hand, you have a way to save him. Prop open the door, shove it closed. Y'all can save him. But there's no guarantee that the doors will hold once they've opened it even if they right. prop it closed. And that happens to be the issue that they have right now. They couldn't go further on the train because one of the doors leading into the next car had been propped closed by one of the seats. Someone had pulled one of the train seats and pushed it up under the doorknob. So of course they can't get out. So they were actually trying to go back the way they came. And then this is where Gage comes in and there are walkers behind him. So that scene was disturbing because Alden was trying to get to Gage and everyone else was holding him back. And they had to literally sit there and watch this boy be torn apart. But what happens is he starts pleading and he says, I know I've made mistakes. I'm so sorry. I'll change. But this is the thing that I got reminded of afterwards because I was trying to figure out why I was like, he looks familiar, but I don't know where I've seen him before. He was one of the motherfuckers that tried to jump Lydia. And Negan was the one who came. And so I was like, okay, so do I want to be mad? I want (laughs) to be mad, but at the same time, it's kind of, but again, it falls into this whole thing, this whole morality issue that you have with the show. Like this probably happened. We know it's probably been about a year or two since all of that stuff happened with uh, Alpha. They had the spring carnival and then they had to go through the winter. So it's been maybe a little bit over a year, maybe close to two years since all of that happened. Right. It could have changed in that time. 
he could have realized, okay, you know what? I was being an ass. I apologize. He could have changed in that sense. But you're still a coward. You ran. And not only ran, you took all of the rations. You took all of the ammo. You basically condemned the others to die because you couldn't handle it. And at this point, that's what Maggie has to deal with. She's like, okay, so if we save him, is he going to betray us again? Is he going to run off again? Yes. So she makes the decision, no, I can't do this. I can't. It's again, we talked about this last week too. Sometimes you have to sacrifice one to save 10 or to save 100 or to save 1,000. You know, think about it. If they saved him and then they all died, that means that everybody back in Alexandria dies. Right. Because they're starving already. They're already on the brink of violence because people are mad. They need their families fed. Right. So she made that decision and it was a hard decision, but he looked at them when she said, I'm sorry, I can't do it. He got a little tough. He was like, liar. And I really thought he was going to flip her off at first because the way he was doing his hands, but he had some spikes in his hands and he stabbed himself so that I guess trying to make it so that he dies before they actually get to him. So he maybe he won't feel them tearing him apart. But he was basically like, no, y'all are going to watch this. Right. And everybody there, they actually sat and watched the whole thing. And I think that was kind of their punishment for themselves. Like, okay, we condemn this guy to die. Now we have to live with the consequences. And everybody watched. And that was that was a hard scene because it made it it reminded me of the whole Noah death where Glenn was forced to watch him die. But afterwards, when they get ready to have this conversation about it, Alden is pissed off. Then Maggie tells him the story. And she tells him the story about when she and Herschel were out on their own. They came across an older man who had a grocery buggy. And it was full of food. And it was knocked over. And he was sitting there in the street crying. He was saying he had to get that food back to his children. Would they help? And she says she knew that he was lying. But she went with him anyway. And then when they got to his door, she pulled a knife on him and took out the rag of chloroform that he had in his pocket. So automatically, we already know this dude is up to no good. So they go into the house. And then I think she said what she did first was, did she kill him first or did and then look around for the food? Or did she wait until she saw the first? She waited. Because she, okay. she said, I knocked him out with the same chloroform he was trying to use on me. Right, right. So she didn't okay. kill him first. So she knocked him out. She put him in a room or she tied him up. And then she locked Herschel in a room so he would be safe from whatever was in the house. She went around the house and looked and she said she saw that the guy had a lot of food. There was a lot of food. But she said she was kind of suspicious and she kept hearing this knocking. So she goes to the door and there's stairs leading up to an attic and she hears something bumping and she sees kind of a shadow. And she says, what comes down the stairs, girl, when she described this, I was like, so apparently she was in the house of a serial killer. This dude had a woman, pregnant woman. He had cut off all her limbs. He had cut out her tongue. What else did she say he he did? He slit her throat. And so she was a walker. And then the 
unborn baby in her stomach was trying to get like trying to cause way out and you know we've wondered this before like so what happens to the babies if the parents die or that sort of thing because of course you know in order to kill a walker you have to stab them in the brain and nobody's really doing that to the babies in utero so i always wonder does the child like now we know yeah so now we know so maggie says she took care of her and then she said she went upstairs and she found three other women just like that. Now, I don't know if they were all pregnant, if they were all um, had their limbs taken, but she did say the three women that were upstairs, their hearts were still beating. So they were still alive. Yeah. They were probably in different stages of mutilation. Right. But there's no way even of telling how long they had been there like that. Right. So she said she took care of them. And then I guess she went and took care of him. And she said, you know what the first thing was that I thought when I saw all of this? He's got food. We could eat for a long time, that that sort of thing. Because she said that they were starving. She was starving. Herschel was almost starving, which means that any food that she had, she was giving to him. Right. She said that that was the day that she lost who she was. It's almost like watching Vampire Diaries. They have to turn their humanity off in order to be cruel in order to be able to survive that's how i feel like she was describing it well i think the saddest thing was she told alden she said i don't feel anything when i tell you that story right and i was like damn maggie like (laughs) right but i just i also feel like if she had stayed with our group maybe she wouldn't have been that way but then again, at the same time, no, I, I think she still would have been because with the loss of Glenn, Glenn was that little piece of morality, if you say. And right. so by not having that, she's trying to she's going to do whatever she got to do to keep her son safe, whether it's because Negan at that point was the worst monster that she had seen. You know yeah. what I mean? So and that was all before Herschel was here. So now that Herschel's here, I don't care what monster comes. I'm not letting them get my baby. You know what I mean? Yeah. So even if Glenn was there, ain't nobody getting my baby. I I can't lose what I have. So it it wouldn't even matter. It wouldn't even matter. So she's letting you know, even some, you know, somebody who can do her no harm, like the women with no limbs or whatever. I still got it. It's it's my baby or y'all and it's going to be y'all. Yeah, because what she says is, I don't feel anything when I tell you that. Do you understand me? And Alden is just looking at her and everybody's looking. She says, because that is what's out there. And seeing it, I lost something. And I don't think it's a bad thing that I did because it has made things so much clearer. What we have in Alexandria, what we had in Hilltop and in Meridian, it's rare. It has to be compared to everything that's out there, because if it isn't, and then Negan finishes her thought, he says, it means we were lucky. It means that nobody has it figured out. And she just kind of turns her head. He says, nobody ever did and nobody ever will. And they all just sit there because what do you say after that? What do you say after that story? What do you say after that admission? Especially for the people who knew Maggie before. Right. But but I think at some point we're all so far well, not we we like I'm there. We're all so far into the apocalypse we ten years in. So mm-hmm. or for them it's more than ten years, but 
you know, you lost that bit of humanity. A lot of people did somewhere early. You know what I mean? Somewhere early. You've been going through this for so long. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it's no end in sight. So you lost that. You would have had to have lost that a long time ago. Otherwise, you yeah. wouldn't survive. There's no way to survive. Yeah. But I think the other thing, too, is I think her feelings towards Negan, I think it's now it's more than just what he did to Glenn. Because remember, she left Hilltop because she couldn't be around him. Like she had made the decision to let him live because of the state that he was in but like i mean like he said he was still taking up residence in her head and she had to get away from that right so she had to get away from everybody in order to kind of i guess make peace with the decision that she made and in turn she became someone else and she lost a lot of herself. So I, I think a lot of her feelings towards Megan now, too, are the fact that she blames him for that. You know, not just for Glenn, but for what she had to do and who she had to become to get past that. You know, not saying that she's past that. She'll never be past that. But to get her to a point where she could still push on and be what she needed to be for her son. She had to change into a different person. And Megan is the direct cause of that. So I think there's a lot of anger I think there's a lot of resentment but also and I don't know if we'll get this later on in the episodes knowing what's out there and knowing how people were and how people act you gotta think she might I won't say empathize with Negan not at all but he was trying to keep some control with the people that he had because they could have easily been that now Negan had his faults he had his arrogance, he had his wives, and he bartered with them, you know, in order to have all those wives. But there were some things about him, too, that if you look at it, like he killed Dave when Dave even threatened to rape Sasha. He was like, yo, we don't do that here. Right. Yes, his relationship with his wives was questionable. <laughs> Very much so. I mean, because... But hell, before the apocalypse, his relationship with his wife was questionable. Yeah, well, yeah, but that was a different type of questionable. His relationship with the wives that he had at the sanctuary, like he said, he never forced any of them, but he did bargain with them. Okay, I'll give you such and such if you'll be my wife. Right. Like, they had to be willing. He wasn't the type of person to be like, okay, well, I'm going to force you. He's like, no, because there are other women around here who will do whatever. Right. You know? So again, that moral gray area, because we know he has some decency about him, but it's just the fact that we know the majority of him to be a dick, you know, at least those first few seasons that he was there. So that's going to be a a weird thing to kind of see how they are moving forward, especially with everything that happens in this episode. You know, at some point she does give Negan a gun because the walkers, they get through the door. Daryl on the other side has found a way to get through them. So he's clearing it on the other side. So she gives Negan a gun to try to help save them. And of course, at the end of the episode, once they are free, he gives her the gun back and she goes to take it. He kind of holds it 
a little bit just looking at her and then he lets it go and he walks off. So that's going to be an interesting dynamic. And we knew that was going to be a big part of the season, Mm -hmm. but just to see how that's going to play out. But here's the other thing too. So while we've been talking about this Negan, good guy, bad guy, redeemable or not thing, I do have something I want to say because some people are not liking the way that they're presenting the story, you know, like, oh, Maggie is the bad guy and Negan is the one being redeemed. I don't think that's what the story is doing at all. I think what they're doing is showing that even our people, the ones that we consider good, they have their faults. Mm -hmm. They have struggles with when to do what's right and when to do something else. I mean, think about it. They are living in a zombie apocalypse. They have been living with this for, I think the timeline on the show now is like 11 or 12 years. Right. If anybody in this apocalypse has been able to stay pure through all of this, I would be surprised. How can you? Okay. Especially given everything that they've all gone through. So there's got to be a little bit of, I won't even say evil. There's got to be a little bit of darkness in all of them. Mm -hmm. And it's just what situations will bring that out. And I think that's what they're showing. But in the same token, there has to be a little bit of good in everyone too, because not everyone started out this way. You do have some problematic things with a lot of the characters, a lot of the characters we consider bad, but you have to think about some of the good things with them too. Merle was an ass. Merle was racist. But one thing about Merle, he loved his brother and he tried to take care of his brother the best way he knew how, you know what I'm saying? The governor was good before He had a wife that he loved. He had a child that he adored. Mm -hmm. His wife got killed before the apocalypse and then his daughter got turned during the apocalypse. That will make a person go nuts too. Mm -hmm. We see that Alpha, Alpha, I will say, is probably one of the ones that probably was always more evil or more dark than she was good. (laughs) Yes, she loved her child, but she also didn't love her think about the story she told about when Lydia was three years old and she put the dry cleaning bag over her face and she was like she started turning blue and I just sat there and watched her like yeah bitch you got some issues yeah she she was she was already crazy right but I mean even with that she had a way of making things work for her and the people that wanted to follow her so it's just one of those things and what I said all that to say was The thing that gets me about this whole thing, and I love this character to death now, but think about it. Father Gabriel has no room to throw any stones at Negan whatsoever. You are the preacher who left your entire congregation out. You locked your entire congregation out of the church and listened as they were ripped apart. So you could have some food. You ain't got room to say shit to Negan about anything. Because I can almost guarantee, I can count the number of people that Negan killed on maybe both hands twice over that we've seen since this show has started. You let your entire town die. And then after Rick and his friends saved you, 
took you with them to a new community, you tried to turn that community's leader against them by calling them the devil. You turned on them, yet they still had the grace to forgive you, make you family, make you a leader in the community. So that's one of the things that really, really bugs me about the way they're portraying all of this. Like all of these people, like I said, Rick did some wrongs too. Maggie's done some wrongs too. They all have. Right. So it's not, it's hard in an apocalypse to judge one for something that you would probably do. Everybody is for self-preservation, period. The mm-hmm. means that they get to get that self-preservation, everybody's taking the different road. But in the end, y'all all on the same street. Like, period. We, I'm, right. I'm doing what I got to do to survive. With Negan, probably right. got to come through, show y'all I'm the boss. Granted, it takes killing one of your people, but I got to show you it is what it is. Rick, I got to show you it is what it is. Our, our town needs food, so I'm going to go over to this outpost and kill all these people for you. I'm doing what I got to do. Now, Maggie, he, I mean, Gay shouldn't have ran off, but I, opening that door is going to kill everybody else on this train. I'm doing what I got to do, self-preservation. Right. I'm not about to die saving you because you done ran off. Everybody on there. Right. So, aside from Sasha, because she gave herself up to try to save everybody else. But anyway, you know, everybody is out for self-preservation. They trying to make sure they make it to the end, too. So, you can't mm-hmm. get mad, Father Gabriel did it. I mean, you anybody you name has done something to somebody right. else to make sure that they survive. That's the name of the game. It's survival. It should be called the walking survivors because they just <laughs> they're trying to make it to the end. And they're gonna they gonna right. scheme who they got to, they're gonna kill who they got to, they're gonna make backroom deals and you know fuck over somebody or whatever it takes to make sure I survive. Right. But the thing with our group is that's not their first option. And I think that's what sets them apart from everybody else because they really are trying to be positive, build a positive world, set a good example. They're trying to rebuild the world back the way it should be. Unfortunately, outside forces don't always want to do that. And then you have to take action in order to ensure that what you've built doesn't get knocked down. And unfortunately for our group, they've had that happen time and time again from other people who wanted to take. Like Rick said, they could have lived with Woodbury safe in the prison although why Woodbury would have wanted to go to the prison is beyond me you guys had gardens you guys had running water you had food you had clean beds you I mean you were relatively safe y'all could have brought Rick's group in gave them shelter and y'all could have worked to keep Woodbury safe that could have happened but of course no the governor and his selfishness no we want to take it all why Right. Why? But they, what was the they, whole point? They didn't have shit in, I mean, the prison had a, a fence around it, but hell, even one half of the prison, the wall was fucked up. So it, it, wasn't, it wasn't even like 100% safe. Not only that, you had illness spread through the prison that killed people. So it's not like it was just safe. And it was out there in the wide open. Yeah, they made it work for however long they were there, but Eventually, I think they would have ended up having to give it up. 
they would have had to have gone somewhere else. Mm. So I don't know. Like I said, I, I'm very bothered by Gabriel's attitude towards Negan. Hopefully that will change. I just want somebody to bring that in Gabriel's face. Like if somebody could forgive you, if God could forgive you, Father Gabriel, you are a preacher. I am not religious. I am not a Christian, but I remember enough from years ago studying the Bible to know that supposedly in God's eyes, a sin is a sin. It doesn't matter if you stole a candy bar or if you whap somebody with a baseball bat. In God's eyes, it's the same thing. So you being a preacher and locking everybody out, casting shade and, and judging, yeah, somebody needs to call you out and say, hey, Remember when we picked you up off that rock and you were living in that church by yourself, the church that was surrounded on the outside with fingernail marks from people trying to claw their way in? Mm-hmm. Let's not throw stones, sir. Right. Okay. Whew. I had to get that off my chest because <laughs> I like that has been bothering me. Like, how can you sit there and be so condescending and judgmental? Right. To him given what you did but you know people don't look at and that's that's even now people don't look at what they did they only you did this you did this you did this not oh well you know i kind of did something too no 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 but what you did what you did is is the problem what you did is what i need to focus on and regardless Mm -hmm. of what i may have done in the past you know yeah but all right Let's move over to the Commonwealth for oh, a minute because that got hella interesting. Let me just say, it's taken, what, a whole season, two seasons? But Yumiko is my girl now <laughs> because the way she went in and read those Commonwealth at, oh my goodness. She went in, she was like, oh, okay, well, blah, 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 and this is da-da-da, and, and you need me, and da-da-da. I mean, she just went in and everything. I have reason to believe that my brother, who is a thoracic surgeon, is here within your walls, and da-da-da-da-da, and I was an attorney, and, you know, da-da-da, you guys, you have rules. I like rules. I used to be an attorney, and this is what we're going to do, and this is what I want, and blah, 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 and they're just sitting there looking at her like... Like, she literally told them everything. The the woman was like, you know nothing about us. I know this. I know this. I know this. I know this is what you probably did before the fall. And this is probably what you did before the fall. And this is, she was reading them for filth. And I was just like, oh, where has this been all this time? You know, because one of the whole things about that Magna group We don't really see a lot from some of those characters. Like we saw how Magna was when she first came to the community. She was very combative. She was very distrustful. She was going to kill Michonne. Luke is the sweetheart, but Luke is the one who also, he's the reasoning voice for everyone. Like when his group is at odds, he's the one that kind of speaks reason into everyone and gets everyone on the same page. Um. Kelly and Connie are Kelly and Connie. Those are the two badasses of the group, in in my opinion, you know, Um, especially, I mean, you have hearing impairments and you've made it further than some of these other people, like everybody else who can hear what's going on. They can hear when the walkers are coming to them. Y'all can't really do that, but you're still surviving. Not only that, you are an integral part of the group. 
Yumiko has always been kind of, I think she was the least fleshed out character of the group. Mm -hmm. And that always bothered me. Um, One, because we already don't have as much representation in the show. Yes, the show is diverse, but not as much as it could be. You know, her being the only Asian on the show and you pretty much relegate her to a backstory. Like her, her big thing was her burgeoning and then falling apart relationship with Magna. Mm -hmm. And I was like, something, this character has got to be more interesting than that. And I'm so glad she finally had this little chance to shine, you know, and to really be like, okay, so this is what I bring to the group. Yes. I'm the master negotiator. I used to be an attorney. So let me tell you what you are and what you aren't going to do, blah, 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 blah. And she lays it all down. And after she does that, Mercer brings her a cup of coffee. And you can see she tried to keep herself from smiling like, yeah, I got this. Uh But I was like, (laughs) yes, finally, we get to see some layers to Yumiko's character. And I have a feeling we're going to see more in this season. Mm -hmm. And I'm here for it. Bring it on. Show me what this woman is about. But also for Yumiko, that whole thing, that funny when they was when it was her and it was uh Yumiko and Princess, she was talking about, uh, I want to talk to somebody above you. She was like, You mean you want Yeah, I want to speak to somebody. the manager. Yeah, we want the manager. <laughs> I said That was hilarious. Not the manager. <laughs> that, was that was hilarious. Princess is a a real great, great addition to to them. Like to the cast of the love her. Then when she went to the bathroom you know, having a conversation. Girl. Girl, yeah. Princess is is hilarious. You know, with them, it starts out kind of weird because you have Princess and Yumiko at the table and then Eugene comes in and he's panicked. He's like, they took Ezekiel. I don't know what happened, but we gotta we gotta find him, blah, you know, we gotta find him, we gotta get to him. They're doing something to him and you know, that's when Yumiko says that she wants to speak to the person in charge. And then Princess and Eugene are kind of off in the hallway. And that's when Yumiko is, I mean, that's when Princess is like, I have to go to the bathroom. So she goes up, she starts speaking to one of the guards in Spanish. Now, again, Princess is very observant. So at some point she realized that this guy was native Latino or whatever. And she goes and starts talking to him. And he's like, okay, yeah, you can go to the bathroom. And she was so funny when she says, uh, like, you have toilet paper? paper? <laughs> and he he nodded. She was like, well, shit, I'm excited. I was like, I, I fucking love this character. I really do. I really do. <laughs> so after she goes to where they, they tell her to go to the restroom, one of the two guards follows her out. And the other one's just sitting there looking at Eugene. And Eugene is just panicky, panicky, panicky. <laughs> Sweaty. <laughs> girl and then he goes up to the guard a little later in the episode and he's like i would like to see my friend she's in there talking to your people and he's like there's no one there but i saw her go in with those two people and they didn't come out sir i need you to sit down they're not there and he starts panicking he starts panicking he gets it right so he gets in front of mercer (laughs) and when i tell you it's funny and then it's not funny because, of course, Eugene is scared. 
Mercer is putting on his big tough guy act, which if I was Eugene, I probably would have been scared too. <laughs> but he basically tells Eugene, all you have to do is tell me the truth. I know you've been lying since you got here. So all you have to do is tell me the truth. You can, and you'll be free to go. You can get back to your friends. Everything will be good. So Eugene gives him the story again. And he adds a little more emotion to it because this time he is mostly telling the truth. Mm -hmm. He does say that they are not from a settlement, that they were just wandering around and that he, you know, found the radio, started talking to Stephanie and he starts talking about his awkward stage and how he's never really had a girl to show interest in him. Then he drops the bomb that he is a, what did he say, a 38-year-old virgin? Something like and that. Then, but he done watched the few times. Lord, you know that took me back to Abraham and Rosita. Girl, I laughed because we already know he did that. But it was one of those things where he was uncomfortably truthful. Uh-huh. And Mercer had to sit there and look, and even the other female that was in there with him, you know they had to be looking at him like, okay, he's got to be telling the truth, because who else would admit this out loud to someone? And I mean, he was like, yeah, and I'm, you know, I'm just a, I'm just a virgin, and I was hoping that, you know, me and Stephanie, she'd be willing to change that status. For me. And I was just like, oh, oh you, my you are so uncomfortable. <laughs> but but it did the trick. It did. it did the trick. Mercer takes him to the boxcar. He goes in. And this boxcar is set up really nice. It's set up like an office. And there inside are Ezekiel, Yumiko, and Princess. And they hug and they're happy to see each other. And Eugene is like, well, where did they take you, Ezekiel? I thought they, you know, he was like, they took me to a doctor. Mm-hmm. He was like, they gave me something for my throat. They gave me some tea to sleep. He mm-hmm. said, and I slept. And he was like, what they drugged you? He was like, no, man, I just, I, I just slept mm-hmm. because I was tired. And you know, this is when Mercer comes out. One of the girls that's inside, she hands him this piece of paper, and he reads out this proclamation, and then says, "Welcome to the Commonwealth." So apparently they have passed processing and they are being welcomed inside. And then he opens the door and someone comes in. This young lady comes in. I guess she's supposed to take them to the Commonwealth. But she says, which one of you is Eugene Porter? When she said it, I squealed because I was like, is he going to get to meet his Stephanie? And he's like, me. And she says, hi, I'm Stephanie. I was like, you know, (laughs) as much crap as Eugene has put our group through since he's been there. And there were a couple of times when I was like, y'all just need to feed him to the walker. (laughs) But I have to say, I'm really happy for him. Now, I don't know how long this happiness is going to last because we don't know what Stephanie is about. Now, she seemed like a sweet girl when she came on that cart. She was um, she was kind of that stereotype that we have for bookish women. You know, she had on like a full print dress and she was kind of meek and just kind of quiet and sweet. So I'm happy for him, but I'm also very cautious because we don't know what this is going to lead to. But there was something I saw and I shared it in our Walking Dead group on Facebook. So there's an article out there that's taken some of the images from the promos. And apparently the Commonwealth is working on a cure. I saw that. So I'm like, huh. Be the cure. This might not be a bad thing. But we also don't know what it's secure for. This is true. 
so so you know how they like to play with words and you know dabble around with right but here's the thing too think about the walking dead world beyond and what the crm is doing with those walkers in their medical unit i think they are also working on a cure so this again makes me wonder are they working together are these two different factions? I mean, think about it. We already know that the CRM has about 200,000 people. This is what we learned in the first couple of episodes of World Beyond. The Commonwealth supposedly mm-hmm. has about 50,000. That's a lot of people. That is. So yeah, I'm kind of optimistic, but at the same time, I'm cautious. Right. Because we don't know what the Commonwealth are doing. Like even with the CRM, I mean, the CRM burned down the whole Omaha campus. Killed all them people. Killed everybody. And they have been living there peacefully for 10 years. CRM comes in, they sign some kind of peace treaty or whatever the case is, and then everybody's dead. So it's kind of like, hmm, I don't know how much we should trust y'all. Right. But I don't know. Would it be weird if they actually ended this show on a happy note with them finding a cure and distributing it? That would be. They couldn't couldn't do that because then what would be the point of the other shows? Well, I mean, think about Carol and Daryl could just be riding off into the sunset to get some peace. Like, oh, we don't have to kill anybody anymore. We don't have to worry about this. Okay, everybody is safe. Everybody has the cure. All right. Let's bounce. But who would but who would watch that show? Well, I mean, just because everybody has the cure there doesn't mean that everybody's gonna get the cure everywhere. So they're probably gonna That's run true. into some stuff. So again, I know we're probably not gonna get that kind of happy ending. Like I said, <laughs> I would love for that to happen for like the Judas and the RJs and the Herschels. Let the younger kids right. grow up in a regular world. Like they've had enough right. of this bullshit. But right. uh, yeah, I'm really interested to see what exactly they are trying to cure and then even if they do have a cure okay so what are y'all about to do with all these dead bodies like how if you try to rebuild the world again how do you get rid of all the dead like there's going to be bonfires for days (laughs) yeah trying to get rid of all these bodies because you don't want to stick all of those walker bodies in like a mass grave you have to rebuild the world. And the, the last thing you want to be doing is poisoning the soil. And then you're going to have to figure out at what point you can cure somebody. Because the ones that's already dead, they, I don't think it's no coming back from that. No, 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 if no. you get bit, mm-hmm. you'll get cured. So maybe whatever it is in everybody's DNA that makes them turn once they die, maybe that's something they can reverse. Mm. Could be, good too. Because so. in World Beyond, they testing on people. Yeah. So that could, that could be. I could be. I could see that. But, oh, okay. So going back to the subway tunnel, like I said, Daryl chasing after dog. Oh, it's bad. (laughs) Dog that went through another tunnel. Daryl has had to crawl through a tunnel. He's got a walker coming after him in the tunnel, which was weird to me because these walkers are not very... They don't really, well, I guess they could crawl. But if you think about it, that walker would have had to have hoisted himself up into that tunnel. And as far as we know, the walkers at this point can't do that. So that was really weird to me. 
Yeah, where did he come from? He had to have come from the the subway tunnel that Daryl came from. But remember, Dog jumped up to get into that little tunnel. Daryl had to climb up to get into that little tunnel, which means the walker would have had to pull himself up into that tunnel. And as far as we know, the walkers of this day and age, can't do they that can't yet. do that. They can't do what they did at the beginning of the zombie apocalypse, because at the beginning, remember the first few episodes, they still had enough humanity in them that even though they were dead, they knew how to turn doorknobs. They could climb stairs. Oh, and that's what I was going to say. No, did you see when they was on the subway, when they were in the subway, the knob, like they were, you know, trying to jimmy it. Go oh, back and look at that. Okay. When Gage is on the other side of that door, this is after he's turned, or not him, but you see the handle mm. moving. Okay. Yeah. Look, go back and look at that. But see, I thought they couldn't do that anymore. So I'm going to have to go back and watch that because that's really interesting. But as Daryl comes out of this tunnel, of course, he's, he's stuck in there at first because there are some walkers who come past the open end of the tunnel and they, as they're walking, they close the grate. And so he has to get out of that. He kills the walkers, but then the old guy, I can't remember what his name is, the old guy who left with Gage, he comes out and he's injured. He's not bitten, but he is injured on the side of his face. And he tells Daryl, he's like, tell my kids I didn't die a coward. You got some nerve. You got some nerve. You left us all down here to starve and die. The only reason he's back is because Daryl found you. Yeah. So anyway, Daryl patches him up. And as they're trying to go through the tunnel, Daryl starts hearing gunshots. And this is where Negan has the gun. And he's shooting at the walkers trying to keep them from getting in there. So you've got Maggie and some of the people on one end trying to kill the walkers trying to come in. And then you've got Negan on the other end trying to get through the door that's barricaded on the other side so that they can get away. And so Daryl actually enters the car on the other end. He kills all the walkers that are there. And then he, you know, opens up the barricade so they can all get out and they're able to escape. They they come to the ground outside of the subway station. That's when Negan gives Maggie back the gun. And then they decide they're going to keep moving. So they're moving in this group with Negan as the lead. Because Maggie tells them, okay, well, we we have one place that we can stop and we can kind of resupply because that was, I guess, like one of their own outposts that they had where they stored stuff. And Negan knows the he's, you know, he's familiar with the neighborhood. So he leads them there. They're walking. And as they're approaching, they start seeing that there are bodies that are hanging upside down from trees, not just one. There's like a row of them going straight down the street. So, of course, at this point, I'm turning my blazing ass around. Okay. <laughs> okay. I don't want to see no Negan more. being Negan has to make a joke and says, boy, this neighborhood sure has gone to shit since I was last here. And then as soon <laughs> as he says that, out of nowhere, an arrow comes in and hits the old guy was it in his eye or was it just in, in his, his eye? I was that like, Dwight, me. where are you? When I say that shit scared the shit out of me, I was like, oh. Casey sent me a message, y'all. She was like, the arrow scared the shit out of me. 
Because it came from nowhere. Nowhere. And so all these arrows start flying. It hits Cole, in the, the long-haired guy in Maggie's group. One of the arrows hits him in the thigh. So, of course, they have to pull him to the side. And they all kind of take cover. And then you see this group of these big, burly, badass dudes with hockey masks and machetes. I'm like, oh, what is this, Jason times 12? Like The Purge. They're coming after them. And that's where we end. I was like, y'all going to get enough of these cliffhangers. What they doing is taking it back to season one, two. season one and two, yeah. Season one and two, when they were leaving us with cliffhangers and good, you know, it was good writing and good storytelling and good, yeah. you know, back, they taking us back to the beginning mm-hmm. is what they doing, which I ain't mad at, I ain't mad I, at. I'm not mad because literally these last two episodes there have been moments where i felt like i was watching a horror movie and i don't do horror very often but there were some jump scare moments where i was like feet up on the couch (laughs) like what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) but there's been a lot of heart with these episodes too there's been a lot of again moral issues that make you question what's right what's wrong Who gets to determine which is which? Right. You know, does the person who says they have no feeling, should they really be in charge of the welfare of other people? Hell no. No, it's... You wouldn't be in charge of me. But here's the thing, too. Some of her decisions, while they seem a little harsh... Are for the greater good. That I get. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to say. I mean, we can sit here all day long. You know, we're comfortable in our house with our electricity (laughs) and our running water and no zombies around. But if something like this happened to us, would we be able to hold on to the people that we are now? I don't think so. Absolutely. Because at some point, you'll have to compromise. Whether it's to protect yourself, whether it's to protect someone else. But you're going to have to compromise in a world like that. Yep. So I think this show and these episodes that we've seen so far, they're doing a really good job of raising all of those questions. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, yeah, I'm still Team Maggie all the way. But I don't feel like following someone blindly just because we love them, because we know what they've gone through. I don't think that's the right thing to do either. Right. We have to accept all of these characters with all of their faults and then kind of make an assessment. Okay, so overall, is this going to be good for our group or not? Right. You know, and we said it before, Negan is a dick, but he is also the dick that got in with Alpha and slayed her. Hell, he even said that. So again, it's just one of those things where we just kind of we have to see where this is going to go. Mm-hmm. But I don't anticipate, I don't think I anticipate either one of them dying in this season. Or if they do, I think it's going to be Negan dying to save Maggie. That you might mean? be one of I think so. Because again, we talked about the fact that Negan was a teacher and we know he has an affinity for kids because look at the way he is with Judith. Like even when they were in the middle of a snowstorm and he was chained up, he got free from his bonds to go and save Judith. Mm -hmm. You know, he probably feels a little bit of guilt about Herschel not having a father, whether we'll ever hear him voice that. 
Don't know. Probably not. But Herschel is a child, and that is a walking reminder of what you did. Period. And I don't think that if something were to happen, I don't think he would want that child to be an orphan. Yeah, no. So. Even though he is an asshole. He's an asshole, but at some point in this 12 years that they have been going through, they've all been assholes at one point or another. I think the only one, and I can't even know, I was going to say, I think the only one who wasn't was Herschel. And no, I can't even say that because Herschel was the one who didn't want them to stay. Because he was the one, he was the one that was so far gone that he was keeping the walkers in his barn, thinking that something would happen to to fix them. So yeah, no, he was an asshole too. Like you have a family with a little boy that one of your people shot, and you want to send them out on yeah. So he he was an asshole at sometimes too. You know, they've all been assholes at some point, whether it was justified or not. They all were even best back in the days when she was mad at everybody and trying to slit her wrist every other day. It's... You know, she was dealing with some stuff too, but she was being a little bit of an asshole to her father and to her sister. Yeah. Even though she was dealing with PTSD, she was dealing with some depression. Yeah. But the way that she treated some of the others, yeah, she she was kind of an asshole too sometimes. So they all have been there. Yeah. You kind you I think you kind of have to be in this world. Uh, right. It's just a matter of knowing, okay, you know what? We're taking this a step too far. Like mentioning Glenn, when you talk about putting a dog out to passion. And the crazy thing is, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, I haven't watched Talking Dead yet uh, for this episode, but Jeffrey Dean, I think it was either on Talking Dead or it was in an interview. Jeffrey Dean Morgan said, he said he fought against that when he read that line. He was like, yo, we can't do this. <laughs> So at least he knows what kind of gravity that would have held. But again, I feel like it was necessary for that scene because there had to be a tipping point to say, okay, are we going to do this or not? What is it going to be? Are you going to kill me? Or are you going to let me live? If you're going to let me live, then you need to let me live and let me contribute and let me do what I need to do to help keep this group safe because their safety means my safety. Now, if you want to kill me, you need to go ahead and do it now. Do right. it on my, you know, do it on my terms, which anybody who is in that position, they want to die on their own terms. Right. You know, granted, right. he doesn't deserve it because he didn't give other people that courtesy. courtesy. Right. But I don't blame him for asking and I don't blame him for pushing it to that point. Right. I mean, all she could have did was said no. <laughs> right. I mean, like I said, shit or get off the pot. <laughs> but we'll see how that goes. Yeah, we will. <sighs> I think we covered everything because really we're only dealing with the subway mm-hmm. and the Commonwealth at this point, and yeah, they have some resolution to those two things, but now they're all going into something different. Maggie and her group—they're having to deal with the Ravagers now. Ezekiel and his group—they're about to be led into the Commonwealth and into who knows what kind of circumstances. And are they going to be stuck there? Because remember, ain't what it seems. Right. But think about it. They've told the Commonwealth that they didn't come from a settlement. So when you all of a sudden have to say, hey, um, so back home, Gotta we go. have this group that is imitating walkers and they are trying to kill all of our friends and family. Can you guys come help? It's going to be like, um, reprocessing. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. I thought you said you were alone. Right. I hope it doesn't get to that point. But yeah, Commonwealth, I have a feeling it's going to be interesting. I think once they see the ins and outs of the Commonwealth, they'll know whether or not they can ask for help. Yeah, you're right. They got to kind of scope out like, okay, so let's see what this is about. Because again, you can't have a community that large without having to rule with the iron fist. Mm -hmm. So while there may be some good there, there's probably also Mm -hmm. some unscrupulous things going on to try to keep order. You know what it is. I don't know. We'll see. And then I'm a, I, you haven't watched Talking Dead, but I have some spoil it for you a little bit. Apparently, go ahead. Apparently, there's going to be a relationship with Princess and Mercer. <laughs> apparently, I you know what? That's going to be very interesting yeah. because right now they are such polar opposites. Yeah. You know what they say? Opposite okay. track. So I, you know what? I'll ship it. It'd be cute if he gave her a two dollar bill. You know. <laughs> I got you a present. <laughs> you know what? And on that note, <laughs> that's it for our show. You can find us online at www.phantomhybrid.com. We are on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Phantom Hybrid. You can listen to the Phantom Hybrid podcast on all major podcast streaming platforms. Thanks for listening. We hope you join the conversation next time. Bye.